Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back in to Nuanas Now. I'm Coulter Nuanas. We do this each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana Television, whichever way you are consuming the show. We appreciate you being here. If you want to listen live, head on over to the station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live, you'll find the stream. You can stream ESPN Radio throughout this show as well as anytime around the clock, 24 hours a day, there on the live stream, available on all your mobile devices. If you want to give us a call or shoot us a text, 361-3688. That's 361-3688. Our guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Missed anything in the first hour of the show. Talked a little bit about Major League Baseball opening day, but mostly talked about University of Montana, expecting to go full capacity at Washington Grizzly Stadium in the fall of 2021 for football season. Montana State expecting to do the same thing, expecting to pack the house at Bobcat Stadium as well. Also heard from Sam Herder, hero sports, national sports writer, covering the football championship subdivision. And Dylan Kipp stopped by the show, outstanding javelin thrower from the University of Montana track team. He had a personal best at the Al Manuel Invite over the weekend in Missoula. It's been a long time since there was a home track meet in Missoula, Montana, about two years, in fact. So um, cool for those track athletes to finally get a chance to compete at home and actually get to compete in an outdoor meet. Time now 
something we haven't done in a few weeks, but something I'm excited to get back into. It is a business angle with Justin Angle. Justin is a professor of business at the University of Montana Business School, and he joins us every other week. We're going to start doing this again on Tuesdays. Either this next Tuesday or the one after that. It just depends on uh, how, how much we get caught up on today. But every other week we get together, we talk about the overlay between sports and business, the financials, and all the, the things in between. So, Justin, excited to catch up with you, my man. Uh, how you been, man? How, how's, how's things going? It's been great, man. I missed uh, hanging. I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to hear about your, you know, all your travels. And I got to say, like that announcement about you know the prospect of going to full capacity in Washington Grizzly Stadium and all of the associated benefits to the community that that um, will hopefully bring. It was such a um, a piece of good news. It feels like the light at the end of the tunnel might just be starting to get a little brighter. And uh, 70 degrees and sunshine doesn't hurt with that feeling either. <laughs> no question. I was pulling out of the grocery store park. And I, come, I, just, I just grabbed a salad, and I was coming back to the office, and I got the email right before I started driving, and I almost started crying. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I can't believe how happy an email could possibly make me. But talk about that, though, the economic impact that this has, because we've talked about it a little bit on this show, but it's so much more than just the revenue that's produced for the athletic department. That is a huge priority. That's an essential part of having Grizz sports of all kinds, particularly in supporting the non-revenue sports that don't have a chance to, to produce the amount of revenue like football does. But this has so many other... Uh, secondary economic impacts, but we we have seen it firsthand at Missoula Broadcasting Company with the impact not having Grizz sporting events, particularly football mm-hmm. games, has had on the downtown businesses and businesses just across Missoula. So I mean, th- this is a huge a- economic stimulus, so to speak, right? Yeah, in many ways, and you know, I, I gotta just take a moment to plug a recent episode of a new angle. Um, a couple weeks back, we, we published an episode where we interviewed Kent Haslam, uh, athletics director at UM, who many listeners know, but, but we went kind of long form on the dynamics of the decision to cancel uh, the Big Sky Conference spring schedule for the, for the football team. And, you know, so, some, some insight to that. You guys have talked about it a lot, but this kind of trade-off between, like, really trying to grab a payoff now or like throw a product on the field now and the risk that doing so put um, the fall season under, you know, that was really salient and talking uh, that through with, with Kent. And, you know, I think we we're seeing the wisdom of that, that decision potentially in the sense that, you know, the teams will be healthy. The teams will be prepared. It'll be a good product that we're able to put on the field and the players will be safe and they'll be well-trained and coached and all of those things. So they'll be prepared. And there's such pent-up demand um, in the community um, to just, like, feel uh what it's like to cheer for sports in person again. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm sure, like, as, you know, there's more and more folks get vaccinated and as they're moving around in the community, like, we're going to have to kind of relearn how to interact with one another, right? Like, how to make eye contact, not over Zoom, and how to have a, a conversation with somebody who's in your personal space. It's, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that... Um, 
how that plays out, but uh, you know, I think people are excited for it, um, and we got to navigate it. As far as the economic impacts, though, like you know, there was a headline in the paper today that new hotel opening up in town, a twenty-two million dollar facility. Um, the, 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 the sort of you know, the downtown of Missoula has been changing over the past years, and a lot of folks haven't been downtown um, during this pandemic and during some of the construction that's been happening there. Um, you know, I think we're kind of going to be entering a new phase for Missoula, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, a lot of the indicators about the university uh, for the fall are, are, are looking good. I mean, nationally, we're seeing that there's some pent-up demand by students to, to return to on-campus education. Um, enrollment signals across the country are strong. Uh, some of the early enrollment signals at the University of Montana are strong. Uh, I, you know, I can't speak officially to that. I'm not read into a lot of those things. But, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty bullish uh, on the fall. And um, I think it's pretty easy to be right now. And, and um, you know, we'll see. I think we need to be tempered. Uh, we're not out of the woods yet. Um, and there still might be bumps in the road on a bunch of different dimensions. But, um, yeah, it looks pretty, it looks pretty uh, exciting for summer and fall. Justin Angle joining us. It's a new angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Excuse me, it's a business angle. I got so confused because we started talking about the new <laughs> angle, Justin. I, I did listen to the, the podcast with Ken Haslam, by the way, when I was on my uh, travels. And nice work by you. Uh, but it is definitely worth listening to um, because Ken does, he, he talks pretty pretty in depth about all of the, the things that went into the decision. And I've been saying it all along. I think that Montana has an opportunity, and Montana State as, as well, have an opportunity to really come out smelling like a rose after all of this because we've seen uh, we've seen it you know the spring season I mean Cal Poly they don't have enough they had to cancel the second half of the spring season because they don't have enough guys that are healthy half their team got hurt yeah. they only have 49 available guys and that's just brutal so uh, regardless um, I think that it was the right decision particularly for us in Montana and I think we, now we can load up for hopefully what is an outstanding football season on both sides of the continental divide here in the fall just let's talk NCAA tournament um, a big storyline when the tournament first started was when a a couple pictures on social media went viral. And uh, it comes with a little bit of a caveat because most of the time when the NCAA women's tournament is occurring, the way that the women's tournament, it's neutral sites on both sides, but the women's tournament tends to make their first and second rounds at sites where the top seeds play. And they want the Yukons of the world to have a game that's pretty close to stores Connecticut or you know mm-hmm. Stanford to play close to the Bay Area they because they want they want the 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 tennis to be great they want the visuals on the TV to look awesome and I think it's it's good I mean it gives the top seeds a systematic advantage but I think it's also good for the game because it's a cool experience like when Montana State got a chance to go out to University of Washington about a handful of years ago and then they had to play a third seed of Washington team led by Kelsey Plum who was among the all-time leading scorers in the history of women's college basketball tough to play the Huskies out on their home court in front of 10,000 people, but also so cool for Montana State to get to play in front of a sold-out arena, uh, you know, against one of the biggest stars in college basketball. So that said, usually when the women's tournament is taking place, the first-round sites are on campuses. And so, therefore, then the teams have access to great athletic facilities in most uh, in, in normal times. Well, this year, because of the way that they were trying to build a bubble, the – it, both the San Antonio hosting the women's tournament and Indianapolis hosting the men's tournament, there was uh, 
uh, seems like a, a, a pretty large oversight. The men had what looked like a functional, but not even an elite weight room by by uh, Power Five conference standards. And then the women basically had a couple yoga mats, a couple rubber bands, and a couple dumbbells. And it was honestly, frankly, it was embarrassing to see that stuff spread. But it spread pretty quickly, and they ended up making a difference with getting an actual real weight room built down there in San Antonio. But just from a logistics and management standpoint, uh, this was a pretty glaring error on the NCAA's part. Yeah, I, I got to agree with your analysis there. I mean, this is this is not only a glaring error; it's one that was completely predictable, right? Like, there is that difference in how these tournaments you know, operate, both on the men's and women's side, as far as you know the, the regionals versus the relative home games on the women's side. But when you're talking about this bubble model, right? First off, it's COVID, and you know that there is going to be scrutiny, detailed scrutiny on every piece of the operation. You know, and you would you would assume that a lot of that scrutiny is going to be based on, you know, the, the sort of the, the health factors, right? That would be the immediate first pass. Um, but you got to think these things through, and it's one thing. It, it is a logistical challenge to bring all these athletes to a single place to provide enough, you know, safe venues, the distancing, the, you know, all, it's, it's a hard logistical challenge, right? But having inequities between the men and the women is such a glaring oversight. It's like one, one side of the house just didn't talk to the other on a particularly predictable dimension, right? And, you know, things like the gift bags for the players. I mean, all these players are walking in. They're excited for the moment. They got their phones. They're going to be snapping photos of this stuff, posting it to social media, selfies, all that stuff. Like, you got to think this through from a branding standpoint. And if you got the women, I mean, not, so not only is it wrong, sort of on an ethical standpoint, to provide um, inferior accommodations and facilities for the women's athletes. It's just bad business, right? It's a terrible look. And not only, like I said, it's, it, it's, it's, not, bad, it's not just a bad look, it's predictable, right? So, it, you know, somebody's, you know, somebody should lose their job over this. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily something that, you know, would put Mark Emmert under pressure, but I certainly think it, it rises to that level because it's, um, you know, it's bad business and it sends a really bad signal about how the athletes are, uh, are valued. My, my biggest question about all of this is that as we've defined over the last year or so, and I think this has been one of the things that has come to light when it comes to covering college sports more than anything, is the true reasons why the NCAA exists. Because the NCAA has been mm. a very controversial entity for a long time. A lot of people would say they are an overreaching entity um, that maybe does not have fair treatment across the board when it comes to student-athletes and some of the rules that they try to enforce. But at the end of the day, the NCAA is an entity that exists to conduct championships. Therefore, the championship that is being conducted right now, particularly the men's basketball tournament, is so essential for the validity of the entity that is the NCAA. Basically, if they don't have a single championship in the men's basketball championship, they cannot conduct any of the other 32 championships that the NCAA um, oversees. But it seems to me that regardless of the optics, regardless of the PR, the good PR, the bad PR, the good management, the bad management, all of that, 
until there's a competitive entity that tries to replace the NCAA in yep. the conduction of championships, the NCAA can screw it up as bad as they possibly want, and they still are going to be what they are. It, it doesn't even matter what the scrutiny is because no one else is doing it until they do. That's the beauty of monopoly power, right? I mean, they have monopoly power. We're seeing, I mean, we talked about this in the fall. You're seeing some potential cracks in that on the, you know, in the bowl system at the, at the, at the highest level of college football. Um, but in terms of the NCAA tournament, they're the only game in town, and they know it. And you know, does that necessarily lead to these sorts of oversights or, or create negligence? Um, I'm not necessarily, you know, you, you can't necessarily say that for sure. Um, but in many instances, yeah, competition. Uh, does the NIT even exist anymore? I, I don't think it, that's it, even a thing. It, 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 still, <laughs> it still sort of exists. That, it's funny that the NIT does still exist because that's a completely different story. But the NIT basically exists as a money grab by ESPN sure. because they want to have some form of college basketball on TV when they don't get to air any of the NCAA tournament games. <laughs> so they basically facilitate the NIT just for the, the, the most fanatical of fans that say, oh, man, I've been watching Hoops Thursday through Sunday, there's a game on Tuesday. Okay, I need another hit. I'm going to turn it on. But that's, you know, and we've talked about these sort of disruptive players. And, you know, we talked about that that Disney Plus deal, right? And the opportunity to sort of deploy, you know, and, and Thursday Night Football going to Amazon. So, I, you know, I think the mention of ESPN and the, the NIT money grab, like, you're seeing different players here, and that's maybe where the competition comes from. And you layer on this notion that, you know, the, these these court rulings that say that players can now get paid uh, through various sources, whether they're getting paid for their image or likeness, or whether they're getting paid for participation. Like that legal regime is sort of being sorted out as we speak, and the NCAA seems to just be stalling and not really thinking proactively about policy, we could see these for-profit entities come in and, um, you know, they can pull off constructing a championship and marketing it and and planning it. And, um, you know, they have a lot different incentives, right? They report to shareholders. They're not trying to report to university presidents or, or you know, whatever their, their stakeholders are. So that, that could really change the scope of how these championships are conducted. I just have to wonder what it would take for an entity to rise up. I mean, is it as simple as just having uh, the, the money and platform to do it? Or I guess, what, what, do, you, what do you think it would take for a competitive entity to, to try to facilitate a tournament like this? I mean, you'd have to invite a handful of schools and pay them a ton of money, right? You'd have to make it worth, you know, some big programs while Michigan's while to, to, to say, you know what, we're going over to this other tournament and, um, probably easier to, it's easier to pull off in football because it's a smaller number of, of teams in the consideration set for a championship. Right. But if, if you took like one year and just said, you know, you know, whatever the teams are, I know Duke wasn't that good, good this year, but like the, the perennial powerhouses in college basketball and just said, you know, we're going to invite six teams and uh, pay them a bunch of money and, and see what happens. I mean, the universities across the country are in dire financial straits right now due to COVID. Um, so you might be able to pick a few off. Um, that's probably the only, only way it happens is you ensure some good teams show up and you pay them a bunch of money. 
Justin Angle joining us. It is a business angle here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana. We do this every other week. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. And changing gears on you, Justin, you sent over sure. a really interesting article here. Uh, this is from Yahoo Sports, who did a, a pretty big poll of Americans, specifically American sports consumers. And I guess in this case, people that maybe are no longer avid sports consumers. Basically, the, the premise of the poll was how has the the political advocacy and social justice trumpeting that has existed uh, and become pretty prevalent now in American sports, particularly American professional sports, how has that impacted the viewership of sports? And about 11% of people say they now watch more sports uh, as a result of the political and social messaging. However, 345 more than, half, more than a third say they're watching much less. The vast majority, roughly 56%, said they watch about the same amount of sports. So that's interesting. But it seems as if this is hurting more than it is helping. And I don't even know if we need to opine on what we think of that statistic more as just the, the fact that this is, uh, this is something that could impact the average day-to-day sports consumption and, and then therefore the bottom lines of many of the professional and maybe even amateur sports leagues. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting to think about this in the sense that you know for for many people they look at sports as this place where they don't have to worry about politics and division and and and, and some of the harder things to think about in our society, social justice and so forth. Um, however, you know, and there's there's great debate about this. Like oftentimes. You know, athletes have a platform, and you know a lot of athletes use that platform to express a viewpoint. And uh, there's some that think that that's a, a great thing. You know, we, we hold up the Muhammad Ali's of the world as these iconic figures that not only were excellent uh, in the ring but also influential socially. Uh, you know, and then you've got the kind of classic Michael Jordan. Um, you know wanting to stay out of it, right? The, the story of, you know, Republicans buying shoes too, uh, or buying Nikes too, I think was the quote attributed to him. But it, it, yeah, so, so some people sort of look at sports as this area that is sort of, I don't want to use the word safe, but like, like don't bring that divisiveness in here. But areas of society, more and more, it's just hard to keep politics out. It's starting to permeate so many... Um, so many dimensions of society. And then you layer on top of it the social unrest of the summer, the, the George Floyd murder, and we're going through that trial right now and sort of reliving a lot of that trauma. Many, many people are. Um, it's interesting, like, how sports, from a sports management standpoint, I mean, you've got these teams and these owners that are managing these assets, but you've also got players on the field and on the court that, that have their own brands to think about it. Not only their own brands to think about that, but their own passions and their own issues that are important to them. And, you know, I don't think we can fault athletes or I don't think we can fault anybody for using a platform that they've earned, that they've developed through their hard work to advance some social cause. You know, I might not agree with it. I might not want to listen to it, but if a person has developed a platform and wants to use that platform to advance something that they're passionate about and they think is good for the world, then, then you know, I, we can criticize the viewpoint, but I don't think we can criticize the actor for, for doing that. 
it is so fascinating because I, I, I thought that oftentimes we use sports as entertainment, as distraction, as an escape, as a way to right. not engage in tough conversations or to not engage in the unrest that exists in the world. And I thought that the, the fact that during the height of the pandemic, as well as the height of the shutdown, we had all of these race riots, these social injustice um, explosions going all on all mm-hmm. over the country, combined with the fact that a lot of people were actually forced to watch it. You had to pay attention to it for the first time. I thought, on one hand, that makes the message resonate at a much higher level, but then I think it also then it makes it so that you're almost required, specifically as a minority athlete, to then say something, and that's sort of the trend that we saw. It's also important for people to realize that for better or for worse, uh, many times some of the most um, visible and prestigious African-Americans in our country are athletes. And I think that that's, yep. that's a completely different conversation in terms of what the what that means for us as a people. But regardless, I think that LeBron James is more well-known than, than most people from his background or any background that, for that uh, you know. So I think that... Uh, I think that's all. It was almost like it became a trend and almost a requirement, and it was an, an interesting um, shift from what we've seen in the past. And you just have to wonder how much this is going to affect everything on both sides. Because on one hand, I think it is empowering people and bringing a voice and a conversation to the table. But on the other hand, it, it is probably uh, turning a lot of people off. And uh, it, regardless of what you think of the way it's impacting sports on either side, it is impacting it. And so I think it's something that needs to be analyzed from a business perspective. Yeah. And we'll sort of have to see, I mean, you look at a poll like this and you know, one, the, the enterprise of polling in general is, is under a lot of stress and scrutiny. I mean, the, the, the polls are, they've been up and down over the last few elections and polling in general is sort of like all the questions, no matter how they're asked, seem to now just, derived down to the single dimension of political identity, right? Which, which, which tribe do you belong to? Which team are you playing for? Um, so there might be some of that going on in the response to this poll. Beyond that, we're dealing with a time where the product is different too, right? Like there's not people in the stands. It's packaged a little bit differently. Uh, there's these different policies. So viewership is down in general, and, you know, you ask people how to attribute that viewership. Uh, well, you know, you could attribute it, the lack of viewership to social justice. So you don't exactly know. I think we'll know more as we sort of come out of, you know, if we sort of see what this new administration is like and see what the tenor of politics is like as we approach another election. And then if we're doing it under normal non-pandemic conditions with people in the stands with a conventional product, um, We'll see if these effects endure. I, you know, I don't know. I think you're right, though, that, that if it's part of the deal, we, we got to kind of think about it from a brand management standpoint on, on, on how to navigate it. Justin Engel joining us. It is a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. And last edition here, Justin, LeBron James, speaking of LeBron James, yeah. Now has an ownership stake in the Boston Red Sox. First of all, LeBron James has been famous and infamous for wearing his uh, standard New York Yankees hat. He's from Cleveland. He attends, I guess he's from Akron, but he, he's attended Cleveland Indians games frequently. 
And oftentimes he can be seen at Jacobs Field cheering on uh, his hometown team. But then he also, just from a style perspective, has frequently worn a New York Yankees hat. So that in itself is ironic that now he now owns the arch rival of the uh, New York Yankees. But this in itself is fascinating because... As for as rich and well paid as athletes are, particularly LeBron James, he will probably reach the stratosphere of of sort of the the holy grail of athlete earnings. Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, and Magic Johnson are the only three guys that have ever made it into the billionaire club, and LeBron James is getting there as an athlete. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very rare for them to ever be able to afford sports teams. And obviously, LeBron, not a majority owner, still just a minority owner within the Boston Red Sox. But this is a pretty interesting deal, an active athlete now having a stake in a contemporary sports franchise. Yeah, it's interesting in a lot of different dimensions. One, it, it sort of signals that maybe there's some power dynamics at play here. And when we talked, I mean, we, we alluded to this in the previous conversation about, you know, some of the social justice protests. I mean, athletes, you know, who, who has the power here, right? The owners or the athletes? And then if, if an owner has risen to the level where he or she can take an ownership, or an athlete has risen to the level where he or she can take an ownership stake, you know, either in the team that, that they play for or another team, like that just sort of changes some of the dynamics. And this particular deal is interesting. This Fenway Sports Group, I mean, they own part of the Red Sox. They own part of Liverpool, Liverpool football or soccer um, um, franchise. They own uh, Nesson, which is a um, you know, regional sports TV network out east. They own some, some of a stock car racing outfit. And, you know, we have to, I don't really know yet, but we want to look at this and sort of think about, like, we have these iconic images of owners as these, like, old rich dudes that own, the mostly white, uh, that own these um, teams sort of as a hobby, right? And I think that image is no longer accurate. Like, we're seeing these ownership groups. We're seeing these ownership groups not only own pieces of a single team, but owning other pieces of teams. And they're starting to, like, kind of look a little bit like hedge funds in a way, just interesting collections of investments. And it'll be interesting to see, like, how do the, you know, why are these portfolios constructed the way they are? How do these assets change in value relative to one another? Who's making these decisions? Who gets in and who doesn't? Um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, the athlete piece, the athlete owning a, a piece of a franchise um, is an interesting take. But also, like, what does ownership of these uh, franchises look like going forward? And what does that mean for the product on, you know, on the court, on the field? I, I don't really know, but it's just interesting to think about ownership taking on some different dimensions. Justin, it's been great. Love having you on. We'll, we'll be back with a business angle, maybe even next week. Justin and I will discuss next time we have a business angle with Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School. But we do this a couple times a month. The overlay between business and sports, it's always fascinating and insightful. Presented by Blackfoot Communications. And thanks so much for swinging by, man. And I'll catch up with you soon, but appreciate the contribution as always. Sounds good, Coulter. Enjoy the sunshine. We'll talk soon. All sorts of stuff going on around Montana, around the wide world of sports. We got legends retiring. We got new coaches at Texas. We got big money baseball contracts. We got more Eastern Washington Eagles in the NCAA transfer portal. We have a Montana State women's basketball player on the national stage. Dante Olson going pro and much more. 
we take you all around the wide world of sports with a little bulletin board here on Nuanez Now on 1029 ESPN Missoula right after this. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home Back in and Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana. I am Coulter Nuana as we do this each and every weekday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. You want to give us a call, shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. Opening day for Major League Baseball. I know that's an exciting day for pretty much everybody that follows baseball. One of the best days of the year. It's been a long time since we had a real opening day. Couple cancellations early, so we get the bad news out of the way. The Nationals and Mets had to cancel because of COVID issues, as did the Orioles and the Red Sox. But a bunch of other games that have either gone final or continuing to take place. The San Diego Padres got off to a, a start. Uh, got off their season started with a win, eight seven over the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Los Angeles Dodgers trail the Colorado Rockies eight to five. The St. Louis Cardinals lead the Cincinnati Reds 11-6 in the bottom of the ninth. The Kansas City Royals hanging on to a 10-9 lead in the bottom of the seventh over the Texas Rangers. The Blue Jays beat the Yankees in extra innings 3-2. The Detroit Tigers beat the Cleveland Indians 3-2. Twins and Brewers also went to extra innings. The Brewers won 6-5. The Pirates pulled out a 5-3 win over the Chicago Cubs. The Phillies and the Braves also went to extra innings 3-2. Philadelphia takes that one home. And the defending American League champion, Tampa Bay Rays, post a 1-0 win over the Florida Marlins. couple games tonight to wet your whistle a little bit. White Sox versus Angels, Astros versus Athletics, and Giants versus Mariners. So we'll be doing a lot of baseball stuff around here. If you didn't hear the great news of the day, Montana State announced a little while ago that they were planning on selling season tickets with, in anticipation of fully filling Bobcat Stadium this season. Montana made a similar announcement today, and I think it was a little bit more even of a relief for the Grizz side of things, only because the county health department regulations in Missoula are have been stricter than most places around the state. And, of course, Washington Grizzly Stadium holds about 9,000 more fans than Bobcat Stadium. So, you know, we were wondering if we were able to go full capacity at Washington Grizz for the fall. And UM Athletics announced that they have full intention to return to full capacity this fall we know, no, we know that nothing is guaranteed, and obviously much can change between now and the fall. Montana Athletic Director Kent Haslam said in a press release, but we are excited to welcome 26,000 back to Washington Grizzly Stadium, and we hope our fans are just as excited as us to join in and cheer on the Grizz. Fans interested in buying new season tickets? 
can place deposits on packages. Invoices for season ticket renewals are scheduled to be sent out in mid-May. So all, all of those things, you can find all of that. GoGrizz.com backslash mobile ticketing. So it looks like we have a good chance to have packed house at Washington Grizzly Stadium next fall. Right now, Sportsbet Montana has a great promotion going on. March College Basketball Mania is here. Sportsbet Montana giving away some extra cash prizes with the Money Madness promotion. Place your bets on the men's college basketball games through Sportsbet Montana at any authorized location and be entered to win up to $10,000 or one of 10 $500 cash prizes that are up for grabs. Each time you place a bet throughout the tournament, you get more entries. Get in on the excitement of winning with Money Madness from Sportsbet Montana. Download the Sportsbet Montana app today and learn more about Sportsbet Montana, sportsbetmontana.com. If you haven't heard, Eastern Washington has a mass exodus going on from their men's basketball team. Tanner Groves, the MVP of the Big Sky Conference, along with his brother Jacob Groves. Jacob Davidson, the preseason MVP of the Big Sky Conference and a former all-league performer, as well as Michael Meadows, a guy that had all-league potential, and Tyler Robertson, the reserve of the year in the Big Sky last year. All five of those guys entered the portal last week. Well, now the exodus continues. Eight total Eastern Washington Eagles in the portal, including today the big news, Kim Aiken Jr. Kim Aiken Jr. is the reigning Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Year, a first-team All-Big Sky selection for Eastern Washington, and certainly would have been one of the five best players in the league coming back next year. So here's the tale of the tape. Eight players from Eastern Washington total into the portal, including a pair of first-team All-Conference performers in Tanner Groves and Kim Aiken. Basically, their entire rotation, with the exception of Ellis Magnuson, are now all gone. So their whole starting lineup... Most of their best players, five guys that were either all-conference or had all-conference potential, all gone from Eastern Washington. A total of 38 players from Big Sky Conference men's basketball have entered the portal just since the mid part of March last uh, last month. May, or excuse me, March 12th. Since March 12th, a total of 38 players from the Big Sky Conference. Idaho has seven of them. Montana State has five. NAU has three, including their two best players, Cam Shelton and Luke Adolovich. Portland State's leading scorer, uh, uh, James Scott, entered the portal yesterday, and that's the third from Portland State. Northern Colorado has six, including a a couple guys that have started in the past. Sac State has two, Idaho State one, and Weber State one. So we'll continue to keep you apprised, but the Mass Exodus, led by from the Big Sky Conference champion, Eastern Washington Eagles, continues throughout all of the Big Sky Conference. And that's it's just it's tough to watch, man. It sucks for the league. Big time. In much more positive news, Dante Olson, former Buck Buchanan Award winner from the University of Montana, he's headed north. He had his rights claimed. So first, he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles in April. Then he was cut in August right before the season. He was brought back on the practice squad in October, but then he was cut again in November. Then after he was cut for the second time, his rights got claimed uh, by the Edmonton Eskimos of the Canadian Football League, but they were in the midst of a dormant season. Well, now they're back, and so he was officially signed by the Edmonton Eskimos uh, just yesterday. So Dante Olson now does have a pro football contract. Olson won the Buck Buchanan Award at Montana after registering a school and Big Sky Conference record 179 total tackles 
uh, during his senior year in 2019. He's a native of Medford, Oregon, and he became the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Grizz, despite only being a starter for two years. A lot of ties in the CFL to Montana, as we know, both the Dickinson brothers, Dave Dickinson, uh, former uh, College Football Hall of Fame quarterback for the Montana Grizzlies, and his brother, Craig Dickinson, who was a coach for Montana once upon a time as well. Both those guys are head coaches in the CFL. Dave Dickinson heads up the Calgary Stampeders, whereas Craig Dickinson, the head coach for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jerry Lou McGee is a member of the Edmonton Eskimos, so Dante Olson will reunite with his former uh, fellow all-conference wide receiver. And Brock Sunderland, he's the general manager and vice president of football operations for the Edmonton Eskimos as well in Sunderland. He's a former Grizz and is also a Great Falls native, so he's a Montana guy as well. And the last uh, connection, Dalton Sneed, he's also in the CFL. He's with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So a couple of the best, most outstanding players from that 2019 Grizz team are now in the pros. Dalton Sneed, Jerry Lou McGee, and Dante Olsen. So uh, I'm sure happy to hear for Dante Olsen because he was a productive player and uh, he really got bit by the bad 40 that he ran at the NFL Combine. And I think that there's just there's some stuff there that keeps him from being a true bona fide NFL player, but it's awesome that he's going to get a chance to make a living as a professional football player. And who knows? Maybe he'll continue to develop, and maybe we'll have an Alex Singleton-like story. Montana State's Alex Singleton, he went was kind of a practice squad guy for a couple years in the uh, for, for Mon- or excuse me in the NFL, and then he ended up declaring for the CFL draft because his mom had dual citizenship and he became a highly drafted player in the CFL draft and then went on to become the CFL MVP, defensive MVP, for actually, ironically, Dave Dickinson's uh, Calgary Stampeders. And then Singleton got another shot in the NFL and all of a sudden now he's a starting linebacker for the uh, for um, the Philadelphia Eagles. So maybe Dante Olson can walk a similar path. Here in about two hours, national stage for Tori Martell, senior basketball player, Montana State women's basketball player. She will participate in the women's three-point shooting contest at the NCAA Final Four in Indianapolis. So very cool honor for her and uh, so much great exposure for her as well as the program as well. So that'll be cool to watch. And I think the Tori Martell, I mean, if I was a bet man, I'd put some bucks on her because she is definitely with that set shot. She's going to be in the running. She's going to be in the mix. So that would be cool. Regardless, win, lose, or drop. Great for Trisha Benford's program. Great for the Bobcat women's basketball team to have someone on the national stage. And, and uh, don't sleep on Tori Martell because she'll certainly be uh, in the mix to make a run uh, at that three-point shooting contest for sure. Last piece of news as we go around the state of Montana and around the wide world of sports here on Nuanas. Now, we're going to talk a little bit of the national stuff on the other side, but the Big State Conference Volleyball Tournament is underway. Montana State had a great season this season. Montana did not make it to the six-team Big State Conference uh, Tournament, but Montana State, they did. They earned the three-seed, but they got upset Yesterday by Southern Utah, they lost in five sets. So a great season comes to an abrupt end for Daniel Jones's squad. But as we know, volleyball has sort of struggled at both Montana and Montana State. It particularly struggled horribly at Montana State for a while. There was a, a portion there where they were one of the worst teams in the conference, one of the worst teams in the country. But this year, a breakthrough year. Second straight winning campaign. First time they've done that since 2003 and 2004. And they also placed third in the Big Sky Conference. 
which is their best finish since 2004. So congratulations to the Montana State Volleyball team. I know it ended abruptly, maybe not like they wanted, but things are going in the right direction in Bozeman. We'll see if Montana can keep pace because Montana's really struggled in the volleyball realm as of recently as well. You listen to Nuanez now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, well as statewide television, SWX Montana. Roy Williams retiring. Chris Beard headed to Texas. And much more from around the world of sports. Keep it right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Montana. Welcome back in to Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Miss anything in the show? I'm Coulter Nuanez, by the way. You can find the show, podcast it. Uh, all you got to do is search N U A N E Z. That'll get you to the Nuanez Now stream on any of your podcasting platforms. Please rate, review, subscribe. Five stars is preferred. Thank you so much for all the good feedback, all the downloads. We really appreciate it. Good show today. Great announcements. Montana, Montana State, both going to try to have full capacity of football games this fall. So that's a big deal. Sam Herter from Hero Sports swung by to analyze all things FCS football in this spring season. Dylan Kipp, outstanding javelin thrower from the University of Montana track and field team. He stopped by for a fun interview. A business angle with Justin Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin and I, every other week, talk the overlay between business and sports. So I appreciate Justin contributing. And then a whole bunch of news, uh, kind of a Big Sky Conference bulletin board. Tori Martell, outstanding senior for the Montana State women. She'll compete at 7 p.m. on ESPN2 in the women's three-point shooting contest at the men's Final Four. So that'll be fun for her and great for the program. Dante Olson, former Grizz linebacker, former Buck Buchanan Award winner. He's headed north to play in the CFL, the Canadian Football League for the Edmonton Eskimos. The exodus from Eastern Washington men's basketball, it continues as Kim Aiken, a first-team All-League performer and the Big Sky Conference defensive MVP, enters the portal. That's eight, count them, eight Eastern Washington Eagles into the portal. Give you an update on MSU Volleyball as well. A couple national headlines to share with you before we got to go. Roy Williams, one of the classiest and most successful coaches in college basketball history. Uh, A legend at Kansas and a legend at North Carolina. Pretty hard to do both of those things, but uh, he retired today. So a a career uh, worth noting for sure. The other big piece of college basketball news today, Chris Beard, who's been at Texas Tech for the last five years and had a great run there with the Red Raiders. He's headed to Texas. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear... 
How about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.